Some say that Jesus was a prophet like Noah. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Many other people subscribe to the notion that Christ was a great moral teacher, a godly example, even a philosopher. But the men who knew him best insist that he is far greater than all of those things. He is the story, and he is the author of the story. Jesus is everything. And whatever we do, we mustn't put others on the throne of our hearts. He has earned that place. Jim continues our Hebrews series with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask tonight that in the midst of the days in which we live, we would rest in you. We would find our peace, our comfort, our hope in you, in your promises. We thank you for the promise that you give more grace as the burdens, the frustrations, the fears, the problems, and perhaps other more severe forms of opposition come upon us. And Lord, would you use the circumstances of our lives to teach us that we're little, but you're great. That we're weak, but you're God. That you've anticipated every need we have. And dear friend, tonight that's true for you and for me here in this room. Every need we have, he knows. Every burden, every care, every sigh, every temptation, every failure, every joy, he knows, he knows, he knows. So, Father, fill our hearts with comfort and peace and contentment. Also, Father, strengthen our faith as we anticipate the tomorrows of our lives. May we see them through the grid of your promises. May we approach them upon the foundation of your spoken word. May we, like the folks referenced in the wonderful book of Hebrews, may we be men and women of faith, men who see the future, ladies who know the future because they have listened to your word. Thank you for the wonderful promises, the prophecies you've given us. Thank you for those parts of our salvation that are completed, finished, and we enjoy them tonight. But oh, Father, compared to what is coming, they are significant but small. Our minds cannot grasp, our, our imaginations cannot imagine, we, we can't conceive the things that you prepared for us. Remind us tonight that we're only a heartbeat, just a heartbeat, only a heartbeat, a single heartbeat separated from your immediate presence. When the flesh will be set aside and we will see you face to face. What an incredible salvation. No wonder the author called it so great salvation. And tonight as we ponder your word, give us uh, hearts and minds to understand, grace to receive. Thank you for the promise of hearing our prayers and for the promise that uh, you'll be with us all the way through beyond the end of our world, beyond the end of our time, beyond the end of present things. You'll be with us forever and ever. So excite our hearts tonight 
and fill us with hope and love and joy, we pray. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 1, look with me please at verse 1. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and different ways. In these last days, see that word last? The Greek word that's used there is not the normal word for last, last in line. It's the word eschatos, from which we get the word eschatology, which means the study of the end time events. It's that focus of biblical study upon the period of time and the events that God has prescribed and promised are going to take place as God is going to wrap up his program, as God is going to complete all the things that he has set in motion that he's promised. I find that fascinating. So the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking to us about eschatological truth. Sometimes we think that means making guesses about who the Antichrist will be and what time this and what that. That's not what eschatos or eschatology is. Eschatology is not a game of guesses. Eschatology is looking at events in your world, matching them up with prophecies God has stated in his word and saying, hmm, they fit. There's a correlation. I'm sure you know that the present problem up there by the Black Sea has eschatological implications. You know that, don't you? What's going on tonight with Russia and all of that? All of that has deep eschatological roots, meaning that there are prophecies God has given us in his word that specifically address those kinds of conditions in that specific area of the world. But then you knew that. But I just wanted you to know that this book is not only up to date, it's ahead of us. This book talks about things that we haven't seen yet. And this book focuses our attention upon what our response needs to be to those things that God has said are going to take place in the last, in the end, in the concluding saga, the concluding chapters of, her, of earth history. The Bible's full of that. And as I tried to say last week, if you could condense all of the blessings that God has promised to each of us who know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, if you could put all those on a list or put all those in a box, if you had a way to do that, you now enjoy maybe 2% of the package. It is incredible what God has told us about the future and about how it's going to outwork or how it's going to showcase, how it's going to manifest his person, his character, his magnificent will. Now, as he says in that verse, his whole program is wrapped up in one person, the Son of God. That's what it says there in verse 2. 
This God who spoke in the past through the prophets, in these eschatological days, he has spoken to us by his Son, or in his Son. And then it goes on to describe his Son. Now the author wants us to be remembered, to be reminded that what Jesus did and who Jesus is and what Jesus promised is superior to all other revelation God has given. That's the purpose for the whole first eight chapters. As a matter of fact, if you want an outline for your study, here's one that you can do. What God says or what God has spoken in his Son, that's Jesus, through his Son, by his Son, what he has accomplished in, through, and by his Son, all of that, all of that is contrasted with what God said first by the prophets. You saw that in verse 1. God did in the past speak through prophets. Prophets were human people like Abraham. He's called a prophet. Samuel's called a prophet. Isaiah's called a prophet. Ezekiel's called a prophet. They are men, mortal men, just like you, like me, who speak out what God reveals to them. They are mouthpieces. They don't alter what God says. They're held accountable by God to speak out what he reveals to them. The Bible tells us they're very human. Matter of fact, in 2 Peter, Peter tells us that the prophets who wrote the scriptures actually sat and scratched their heads as they read what they had written. Because they were writing about things that were true, but things that transcended the parameters, the barriers of their time, their knowledge, their experience. Things that God, through them, would make known to their people and to succeeding generations to us as a part of those generations. But they were men who spoke, who spoke what God gave to them to speak. Peter also has a beautiful picture of that. He says that God in the, in, in the Old Testament times and in the New too, he, he spoke through men who were moved along by the Spirit of God. And the picture there being moved along is the picture of a of a sailboat out on a lake. It's got a sail up, and the wind is moving that boat, powering that boat, giving that boat direction. That's the picture. They were men, and they were the mouthpiece that God used. But the sun and what God said through the sun is far greater and far more significant than the human prophets both the Old and New Testament. And we have some reasons why he should be considered superior. You have them right there in verse 2 and following. God has appointed him, the Son, heir of all things. He made the universe. He is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact expression of God's image. All of these terms are to tell us that God the Son is infinitely superior to the human prophets of the Old Testament. Now, what the prophets said was true. But what they said was limited, piecemeal. 
And in the Son, you have a superior revelation to what God gave through the prophets. Well, look at verse 4. This Son, this Son of God, became higher in rank than the angels. The angels. And for the next many verses, the writer of Hebrews is going to compare and contrast the Son of God, Jesus, and the revelation that comes through him, God's word spoken to us through him, about him, that revelation is superior to the revelation given through the angels. So let me finish out the first quarter of the book, okay? So beginning there in chapter 1 and verse 4, all the way down through chapter 2, verse 18, Jesus is compared and contrasted as the revelation, as the revealer to the angels and their function in the system of God. Then, in chapter 3, verse 1, the writer compares and contrasts Jesus to Moses, the lawgiver, the respected leader who received the law built the tabernacle at Mount Sinai, led the people out of Egypt, that Moses. And we're going to learn there that Jesus, the Son of God, is infinitely superior to Moses, both in terms of the quality of what he revealed, its significance. Moses was no, no, small, no small prophet, very significant prophet. But compared to Jesus, the things that he said dim. And then, right there at chapter 3, verse 7, all the way down through chapter 4, verse 13, the writer's going to compare Jesus with Joshua. Joshua was the young man who took over when Moses died, led the people into the land of Canaan, fought the wars, settled the people, gave them their lots by inheritance, and then he passed off the scene. Very significant leader. And Jesus and what he accomplished, and Jesus and his revelation will be compared and contrasted with Joshua. Then in chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, all the way to chapter 8, verse 6, Jesus is going to be compared with Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother, remember? And he was the first high priest to perform that function of high priest in the tabernacle with the sacrifices and offerings and all the various functions and all of the truth, all of the things that the high priest and his ministry symbolized. So there you have it. So for the first, uh, the first eight chapters of this book, the writer compares and contrasts Jesus as the speaker, Jesus as the message, Jesus as the fulfiller, Jesus as the revealer. Compares him to the other Old Testament prophets, to the angels, to Moses, Joshua, Aaron. Then the next third of the book, he's going to take the things that Jesus accomplished, what Jesus did. And he's going to compare and contrast those with the Old Testament covenant. 
largely in the sacrifices, in the temple tabernacle, in the high priest and his function. And he's going to show that Jesus' revelation and his accomplishments infinitely superior to the whole Old Testament. And then beginning in chapter 11, the last third, he's going to show that the key for us is to become people of faith, not people of works. He's going to show how people did some incredible works, some incredible things, but they did them because they believed God's revelation. They acted upon God's revelation, not upon what the newspaper editors were writing, not upon their gut instincts, not upon what their neighbors thought, not upon the government systems in which they were living. All of those were secondary. And that list of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11 ends in chapter 12 reminding us that Jesus was a man of great faith. Great faith. And then the last two chapters, 12 and 13, we'll see practical applications of that. Come back with me, please, to the subject of angels. You remember that at Mount Sinai, God told Moses to go down that the people had prostituted themselves. Remember that? The gold cap. And God said, Moses, I'm going to wipe them out. I'll start over with you. Remember what Moses said? Oh, no, 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 God, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So God said, okay. Okay, I'll spare them. I'll spare them, but I'll go with you and with the people from here on in the form of an angel, the angel of God. In other words, God would not be able to meet immediately, directly with the people he would be with them in the presence of an angelic form. You see, the people were sinful. And if God had showed up, they'd all be struck dead. They'd all die on the spot. God's righteousness, his holiness cannot, cannot abide with sin. And so God had to take a mediator form, a form of mediation, a stepper in between. So Moses was a step between God and man. Aaron, the priesthood, the high priest, was a step between God and man, their condition and God, their condition and God's righteousness. And the angel became an active participant in all of those redemptive features concerning the Exodus, etc. Angels often appeared in the Old Testament. And so the writer wants to make sure that we understand that what God did in his son, through his son, and the revelation that his son gave us, is superior to that. It's superior, first of all, as verse tells us, it's superior, first of all, because he, the son, became higher in rank. Now, if you mark in your Bible, circle the word became. We'll come back to that in just a second. He became higher in rank than the angels. That is, 
in his position in relationship to God, the son is by his position higher in rank than the angels. And he's going to quote verses in just a minute to show you that. Secondly, he's superior to the angels just as the name he inherited, circle that word inherited, just as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. What's their name? Michael. I can't remember the rest of Gabriel. Yeah, they got names like that. What's the name that God the Son inherited? Wherefore God has also given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of said Jesus. Jesus. That name signifies the one who will inherit all things. All things. We'll see more about that also in just a minute. So there's two counts where the angels are inferior to Jesus, but in both of those counts, he became in rank higher. That's not a denial of his deity, but it's saying that in the fulfillment of his mission and the accomplishment of his work, what he came to do required a subordination of himself to become just human. And that's what chapter 2 is going to talk about. And when he became human, he became lower than the angels. He took a position in his incarnation of humanity, human, just like us, without sin. And that meant that he, for that period of his time, was lower than the angels. He did that purposefully. And because he was willing to do that, and because of what he accomplished while he did that, he gains an inheritance that includes the angels. And that's what the writer wants us to see. Look at, the, look at verse, um, verse 13. Now, to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? No angels ever had that promise from God. That's a promise that Jesus, listen, he earned. Jesus is the most important person in history, no doubt. But he is more than that. And whoever these early Jewish Christians were trying to put with him or above him, they had lost the plot, as we say. Rather, they'd misplaced the main character. Jim has put this train in gear, and we're moving through the text of Hebrews. The sermon is called, The Son, Superior to Angels. The message is available on CD for your gift of $7 or more. It's part of our series, God's Ultimatum, Volume 1, and that volume will contain 19 sermons. They're all yours on CD for an offering of $66 or more. Thanks to everyone who's part of the Right Start crew. Your commitment to getting the Word of God out in these last days inspires us. Thank you for coming through today and for the last 55 years. Please keep up the good work. If you'd like to join the team with your prayers and financial gifts, please mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
and come to rightstartradio.org. There you'll find a site packed with audio resources. You can play previous radio programs and play or download complete sermons. And or subscribe to the Right Start podcast on the Apple podcast platform. You can donate securely on the site too. Visit rightstartradio.org soon. We won't spam you or send you junk mail for connecting with us. rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. The sun is superior to angels, but there was a time when that wasn't so. Please be with us tomorrow when we bring you Thursday's Right Start. Right Start.